0: Romans 8, beginning at verse 9, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he not, does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your Spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. Our scripture reading tonight, that along with the Heidelberg Catechism question and answer is our focus. Tonight, this is going to be more of a teaching sermon, which technically every evening sermon should be. That was the intent of our Reformed forefathers in even having a second service. Their intent wasn't to sort of have a big service, a mini-service. Their intent was to have two distinct services, one with a preaching sermon in the morning and then in the afternoon because they didn't have electricity when it was started, so it wasn't an evening service, the second service. It was in the afternoon. The purpose was to have a service that was more Teaching in focus, and that is what we're going to do tonight with this lesson on the Holy Spirit. So it might be a little more teaching than preaching if you can make that distinction, if you understand that distinction a little bit. You'll be the judge, I guess. We've got this very, very brief and concise answer in the Catechism about the Holy Spirit. Some people who say Reformed folks like us don't emphasize the Holy Spirit enough may use this as a prime example. See in this most well-known and most used and revered confession of their church, the Heidelberg Catechism, they don't got much to say about the Spirit. These people are so focused on the Word They don't care about the Spirit. There's so much word that there's no room for the Spirit among Reformed people. But that would be a mistake to say. A big reason that this answer is so brief, and maybe you noticed it when we read it, and maybe that crossed your mind too, it's very short for a person of the Trinity. A reason, a big reason it's so brief is because at the time of the Reformation, when this was written, 1563 to be exact, there was little to no disagreement among most Christians about the work of the Spirit. There may have been differences of opinion about some other doctrines, like the Lord's Supper, and that's why there are a number of lessons on the Lord's Supper, Another place there was some disagreement among Christians, among Reformed and Lutherans, comes up in the ascension. Maybe you've noticed how long, how many questions and answers there are on the ascension of Jesus. Well, there is because there was, the ascension brings up some stuff about the person of Jesus, his divinity and his humanity how that all works together when he left earth and went to heaven, um, that Lutherans and Reformed people disagreed on. So there's a lot there on the ascension. But Christians, and mainly we're talking about Catholics, Lutherans, Calvinists, Christians pretty much agreed on this in the late 1500s. Not much explaining needed to be done. It's similar to what we find in the question and answer on the resurrection a little bit earlier, Lord's Day 17. There was agreement on the resurrection and what it was all about. And so that answer is very brief. Does that mean that Reformed people don't think the resurrection is important because the catechism doesn't have a long answer on the, ca- on the resurrection? No, of course not. The same way with the Spirit, I would say. Our tradition can get a bad rap on the Holy Spirit, but John Calvin, who is our greatest spiritual and theological forebear. People called him a lot of things, one of which was the theologian of the Holy Spirit. That's what he was called. And also, even though this question and answer is brief, you will find a lot of talk about the Holy Spirit throughout the catechism. There are all kinds of references to the Holy Spirit through these 52 lessons. He is not ignored in the section on the sacraments, we read that the Spirit, we had a sacrament this morning again, a baptism. We read there that the Holy Spirit is the one who is confirming our faith through baptism and the Lord's Supper. So when we have a baptism like this morning, who is working what that means into our hearts and lives? Well, it's the Holy Spirit of God. We follow God's law, the Ten Commandments, because Christ, by His Spirit, is renewing His people to be like Him. The section on prayer talks of God only giving His grace and Spirit to people who ask for those things. And yet, day by day, week by week, We do focus on Jesus a lot more than the Holy Spirit, and that truthfully is the right emphasis. And like we often say, there is something about the Spirit's work that He puts the spotlight on Jesus, and it's in His nature to stay a little more in the background while Jesus is highlighted. However, He is a person of the Trinity who we can describe, and that's what we're going to review just a little bit tonight. Who is the Spirit exactly? What is He like? What is His work? Especially in light of some of the stuff that we hear about the Spirit from TV preachers, from our Pentecostal brothers and sisters, what can we actually say about the Spirit? The Catechism gives a great summary when it says that he is eternal God as well as the Father and the Son. And that means, first of all, that he is a person of the Trinity. That also means the Spirit is a he, a person, not an it, which sometimes you'll catch even pastors that should know better. You'll catch every once in a while people that should know better, including all of you, you'll catch a little slip-up and refer to the Spirit as it. He is not an it. And, And the fact that He, as well as the Father and Son, is eternal God shows that. The Spirit is a person of the Trinity. He is a He, even if sometimes we might occasionally slip up. He's eternal God, first of all. And then secondly, we read He's been given to me personally. That means we can properly say as Christians that we have the Holy Spirit or that he is in us. That's true. And then we have a little summary of his work. He makes me share in Christ and all his blessings. He comforts me. He remains with me forever. What we're going to do tonight is look at some of his main names in the Bible see what he's called, that can be really helpful to get at different angles of his work. It's really helpful when you look at what is the church about, to look at names of the church. There are a dozen or more very common names of the church, words, phrases, bride of Christ, people of God, body of Christ, they all help us understand the church. A lot of names for Jesus that help us understand who he is, a lot of names for God. We're going to touch on some of the more common names of the Spirit. And I'm just going to run through them, not going to spend a lot of time on each one, just to give an overview and a sense for you and me of who the Spirit is, what he's doing, a sense of what the Catechism says that he is eternal God. And then also, very importantly, he has been given to you and to me personally. These names will show us all of that. And I think they'll show especially the difference he makes in your life and mine in our day-to-day living. First of all, his primary name, Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. That's part of his name. What does he do? One of the main things he does is that he makes believers holy. He sanctifies us. That's the more theological word. And to be holy really means to be set apart. And so the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, sets us apart. There's something different about people who belong to Jesus, And that difference is especially because of the Holy Spirit who makes you and me holy. He's the spirit of adoption or sonship. That's highlighted in the text we read, Romans 8, 15, and 16. The spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship. And that tells us that he assures us of God's fatherly love and he points us to the fact that the Father accepts and welcomes us in his Son. It's through the Spirit, we read, that we say Abba. And Abba is the Hebrew word for Daddy or Father. If you're ever unsure about your relationship with God, if you wonder whether he loves you as his child, well then, remember that you have the spirit of sonship. If your spirit is low, if you don't feel a part of the father's family, well, the Holy Spirit is there in us, testifying with our spirit, spurring us on to tell us that we are God's children, in fact. We really are, and that's another great benefit of the Spirit in you and in me. In Scripture, He's also called life or the Spirit of life, and through Him, our old nature, the sinful nature, it becomes more and more dead, and the new nature in Jesus Christ rises and becomes alive. There's always that tension and that struggle in the Christian life against sin, this side of heaven. The Spirit is constantly working in us to get rid of that sin and bring Jesus to life more and more in our hearts and lives. And if you ever doubt your salvation or that you doubt that you have the Spirit because of sin in your life, you can actually know you have the Spirit precisely because you are struggling with sin. And Romans 7 talks about that. If you're concerned about sin in your life to the extent that you worry sometimes, how could I be a Christian with the sin I have? Well, exactly that kind of concern in your heart and mind means the Spirit of God is in you. Because the spirit of God fights against sin, seeks to put a stop to sin in our lives, puts that old man to death and bring Jesus' ways to life. That struggle is the spirit of God working in your life. The spirit's also called a seal. Ranchers will round up all their year-old calves each spring for branding, branding, that calf is held down that branding iron is red hot and the brand is placed on the calf and that brand is a seal of the ranch owner's ownership it's a mark no one the reason they do this so no one can dispute that the calf belongs to him god places a mark of ownership on his own thankfully it's in a less harsh way than that but it is no less certain and it's what we call the sealing of the holy spirit the holy spirit is god's mark of ownership of authority of security over us and no one can take us away from that ownership ephesians 1 talks about that second corinthians 1 22 says god put his seal of ownership on us. That same verse uses another reference for the Holy Spirit that you probably heard. Deposit. God puts the Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. When you put money down on something, it's a guarantee that that item is being reserved for you. The Spirit is the Bible says, is a down payment for us. That God puts in us. His work, His blessings in us now are a guarantee that His work will be complete in us when we have the full and perfect blessings that God has in store for us when we go to heaven. The Spirit's also called our Comforter or Counselor. Those are pretty similar names John 15, 26. John 1, 7. He gives us counsel, comfort, and strength during anything we might be going through in life. And he brings a child of God peace who comes alongside us when we feel hopeless or defeated. And as I I think it was last week, I talked about people sharing with me how do people without the Lord make it through intense struggles and pain? The flip side of that is, they are, that's a testimony. When someone is saying that, that's a testimony to me and to others that as believers, as hard as things can be, they are making it through right? And you've experienced that yourself, many of you. It's a mystery how how that happens, in a sense, but the answer is in the work of the Holy Spirit. How are you making it through? Well, it's because you belong to Jesus, and when you belong to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you, friends. He is on your life. He is he is covering you. He is with you. He's your comforter and your counselor. And as much as we need to give comfort to one another, as much as we need counsel from wise men and women around us in the church, and sometimes professional counselors, you have a counselor with you at all times. You have access to him all the time. How are you making it through day by day? You who may be having a big struggle, those of us who maybe have not experienced a struggle like that, and and we look at someone who has lost a spouse who has gone on ahead, and, and we're just, how are they doing it? Well, they're doing it Because of the Holy Spirit. And he will lead you and guide you. Water is another picture of the Spirit's work in our lives. He refreshes our soul like water can refresh our body. In John 4, we were up to the Samaritan woman a month or two ago. In John 4, Jesus speaks to the Samaritan woman, and he says, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water I give him will never thirst. And then John seven thirty seven kind of links up with that and says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of water will flow from him. And then it says this in John, By this, the streams of water flowing. And by this, he meant the Spirit. So we don't have to guess what he was talking about, talking about this refreshing water. The Bible tells us the water, the refreshing water, is the Holy Spirit. And we need his refreshment in our lives. We feel sapped sometimes. And I'm not just talking about 95 degree weather in Chicago or being drained from the stresses of work. But I'm talking about spiritually drained and spiritually sapped. Like water can be amazingly refreshing and rejuvenating. You ever experience that just totally sapped, like in the heat of summer, and that ice cold, that can just make all the difference. Well, the Holy Spirit, in an analogous way, refreshes our spirits when we call out to Him and say, Holy Spirit, fill me, refresh me, revive me, I'm sapped. Just a couple more. Fire. A picture of the Spirit is fire fire in the Bible. Matthew 3.11, Luke 3.16. He will baptize you, says John the Baptist, with the Spirit and with fire. And we see that happen in Acts 2. The Spirit is a fire because he consumes evil and sin. Fire purges and cleanses stuff. The Spirit purges what is not holy He's also a fire because he burns in our hearts, he kindles in us a passion to love God, to love others. Psalm 45, verse 7 talks about another name or reference to the Spirit. God talks of anointing us with the oil of gladness. And that's an interesting kind of minor, not very well name of the holy spirit the oil of gladness he makes us joyful he makes us glad we could talk about others the spirit of truth the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of grace he's called the spirit of boldness the spirit of prayer so these names and references of the spirit tell us a lot about him about his work and about what he is up to in our lives and so while the electricity at church is going out for a few days because of this big entrance project the church's power remains because it's not in our building it's not in our numbers it's not in money it's not in programs it's not in our administrative abilities or friendliness or talents or planning Our power, our life, comes from the Spirit of God. That's what we run on at Faith Church. And as for our lives day by day, you might feel worn and tired and that you can't go on sometimes. But let me tell you, you have the Spirit of life at work in you, believer. We might feel sometimes unworthy of the love of our Heavenly Father. But then you remember that when you believe in Jesus, you have the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship living in you. You might feel discouraged sometimes, but then you remember you've got the oil of gladness that God pours out on you. I want to share this in closing you got to pay attention to this. It's kind of old language, but I think it's worth sharing. This is something that John Owen, who is a real giant of the faith, says about the Holy Spirit. And it's from something really interesting that's come out recently, and it's called the New City Catechism. It's from Tim Keller. You might have heard of him. He's a, a PCA, a Presbyterian pastor and um, that's the more conservative. There's a PCA and there's a PCUSA. This is the PCA, a more conservative denomination, more similar to the CRC in a lot of ways. He has a, a church in, in Manhattan and has written a lot of good books, some great choices out there for your small group if you're looking for one. He came out because he knows the importance of catechizing with something called the New City Catechism. And you can look it up online. What it is, it's he pulls together, it's mostly the Heidelberg Catechism, but also stuff from the Westminster Catechism, and actually one or two other catechisms from around the time of the Reformation. And it's really, there's all these questions and answers. You'll be familiar with a lot of it, knowing the, the Heidelberg Catechism. If you go online, you see the question and answer. You can also click, and they'll have sometimes extra commentaries on each one. Some of the commentaries are little video commentaries, so little teachings. So when I I looked at what he had to say about the Holy Spirit, and he gave this extra commentary on the Holy Spirit, and it's from John Owen. I'm not reading all of it, but parts of it. The Holy Spirit dwelling in us gives guidance and direction. Fundamentally, habitually, he enlightens our minds, gives us eyes, understandings, shines into us, translates us from darkness into marvelous light, whereby we are able to see our way, know our paths, and discern the things of God. He gives a new light and understanding Whereby, in general, we are enabled to discern, comprehend and receive spiritual things. This also is the work of the Spirit that dwells in us. He puts upon every truth a new glory, making and rendering it desirable to our souls. Strength comes as well as light by the pouring out of the Spirit on us. Strength for the receiving. And practice of all of God's gracious promises to us. And also from this indwelling of the Spirit, we have support. Our hearts are very ready to sink and fail under our trials. Indeed, a little thing will cause us so to do. Flesh and heart and all that is within us are soon ready to fail. But the Spirit helps bears up that infirmity which is ready to make us double over. How often wouldn't we be overborne with our burdens did not the Spirit put under His power to bear them and to support us? He is a Spirit of grace. He is a Spirit of holiness. He is a Spirit of joy and consolation. He is the High and the Holy One who dwells in eternity and he hath chosen to inhabit with me also. The Spirit is God. He is for each one of us personally. What a gift. May he fill you. May he fill your life. May he fill this church.